0: Welcome to Lawler Out Loud, and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Christy Lawler, and this podcast focuses on highlighting the amazing men and women that make a difference in the world. We hope to prove that every single person has the power to make a difference and make an impact. Today's guest is Julie Rhodes. So first, let me thank you, Julie, for joining us today to share your story, your experiences, your ideas, and what you do for the hospitality industry as a female entrepreneur.
1: Oh, well, thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here and I'm excited to talk about everything with you today. Me too. And I'm so excited to get to learn more about you because we did not have a
0: pre-call, so I don't know anything. So everything you tell me is going to be new and exciting information. And so I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to provide this platform for you to talk about what is so important to you. So we'll dive right in. Who are you? What do you do? And this could be like your childhood, your education, anything in your background, what you're doing now, what you do for the
1: community. It's all, you know, it's all open. It's your show. Okay. Oh, great. Okay. How much time do we have? I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking. I I love that response. I'm from the South. So I just go ahead and tell people up front that like, hey, I'm long-winded. I love to talk about business. I, you know, of course I love to talk about my story and what got to me to where I am today. So it's like, you're going to get a lot here. I get it, girl. I'm not from the
0: South, but I get it. I'm also quite vociferous. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So I, um, I grew up um, pretty much my entire life in Dallas, Texas, actually in Richardson to be specific. It's like a suburb um, in North Dallas and um, pretty typical kind of, I don't want to say boring, but, you know, suburban like childhood. My mom was a teacher. My dad um, was an engineer and um, I have an older sister and my dad is also a retired army, but we were lucky Mm -hmm. enough um, that he was in the reserves the whole time, um, when I was little, oh so we didn't God. have to move around, which this is nice. Pr- pr- my
0: dad is also a retired army reserves.
1: Okay. Oh, we the, already have drill. Some-
0: yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, he was a weekend warrior. Yes, So funny. Yeah. And then I and, married an
1: active duty airport yes, guy. <laughs> yeah. So what I, thought is just like typical, you know, when I got older and I would tell other people like what I did on the weekends when I was little, they're like, Julie, that's crazy. What are you talking about? Like I, I was, um, my dad worked for a supply unit, so I would help him. I would go to the reserve center with him and I would help him organize like gas masks and helmets and yeah. <laughs> You know, oh my god, he would work on like Humvees and you know, like two ton army trucks. And like, I for me, it was just normal for everybody else. They're like, What? What did you what? Okay, (laughs) my experience was (laughs) a little different. My father, who was a
0: banker by day and a weekend warrior, was the commander of a medical unit with zero medical experience, which makes zero sense to me to this day. (laughs) Oh my gosh, but we would go to like the parties on the base or whatever. And he'd introduce everybody to us as he works for me. She works for me. And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> that was my first instinct of like, no, we work together. Like yes. I was like, God, Cause you would see the look on these people's faces. Right. Cause they're like, Oh God, the commander would work for you. Actually I work for the commander-in-chief, but whatever. Okay. i work worked Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Technically, it yes. was my first like <laughs> inkling at like, you know, in my young childhood where I was like, okay, you work with people. They don't work for you.
1: Even if you employ yes. them,
0: you work with people.
1: Right. Yes. Yes, yes. exactly. And I, we're I going wish, into the ethos I, of my company. I, no, no, no. It's <laughs> fine. I, I actually, um, what's funny is that, uh, I, when I get through like a little bit more of my story, the fact that I'm an entrepreneur right now and that I'm in alcohol and business is like the complete polar opposite of how I grew up, um, which is kind of ironic. So I, you know, yeah. it's, um, but it, you know, I, I was a tomboy. I was very much like into sports, like mm-hmm. lots of sports my entire life. And, um, my parents divorced, you know, when I was kind of young and um, I pretty much grew up with my dad um, okay. the whole time. And uh, I ended up going to college at Texas State University in San Marcos in yeah. the whole country, which is gorgeous. It's um, absolutely stunning there. <laughs> it is. And I am one of those typical students of... Texas state where it took me like seven years to graduate because <laughs> half the time, the time I was so you're Tommy boy, okay. yes, okay, <laughs> they're called doctors exactly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it is very hard to make it to class when you have a river running through your campus that you can go tubing on every day. Pretty Girl, much. The choir. I went to
0: Arizona <laughs> State. It's very hard to go to class when you're at the top 10 party school in the country. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, exactly. So I, the other caveat of that was that um, my dad worked very hard. Both my parents worked very hard. Um uh, on their education. And education was huge in our household. So both of my parents have master's degrees. There was always a heavy influence on, you know, the pursuit of knowledge and education mm-hmm. and whatnot. So it was very important to me. But yeah. uh, when, I, when I went to school, um, they basically said, hey, we're going to pay for your first year and then you have to figure it out. And so, okay. <laughs> uh, and so I got thrust into that. And that's also another reason it took me so long to graduate was because I was working 40 yes. plus hours a week and going to school but uh, this is one of my proudest moments in my life is that I have zero student loans I paid for the entire thing myself wait so you didn't take out a single loan not that you not paid one. them off
0: because that's a no. feat in and of itself you seriously paid for your own education yes that yes. is incredible. <laughs> applause. Thank you. Big round
1: of applause in a circular motion. I admire <laughs> Thank you. you. Oh my god, Thank that's you. amazing. Yeah. It was um, you know, it made my college experience a little atypical. You know what I mean yeah. because I wasn't um at all the parties all the time. I wasn't uh in a bunch of Activities like I wasn't at the football games all the time. I did, you know, I made a ton of great friends, but most of the time I was either waiting tables or Mm -hmm. I was bartending because I had to pay for school and I had to pay for my books and I had to pay for a place to live. So, yeah, I think um, it seemed really, really hard at the time. Um, It was not easy, but to be honest with you, it pretty much laid the foundation for the way that I've built my business today and my work ethic. And, um, it has given me kind of that, you know, uh, type a high achiever sort of Mm -hmm. personality, you know, just because I had to like, I had to just figure things out. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I get it, girl. I I
0: think we had the same, I think we're soul twins or something. I had the same experience. (laughs) I was working like one to two jobs at a time while going to school full time. And yep. I was doing internships simultaneously. And at one point I had two jobs and two internships with a full-time school and I was exhausted. And yep. I had 18 credit hours that semester and that broke yeah. me. But it's crazy. <laughs> it didn't, it, it broke me at the time, but it taught me so much. Like there yes. is nothing I can't take on. And that right. is the most powerful thing about doing for yourself, especially as a woman. I knew I could definitely do anything in life on my own. And that's important. Right. And that's what we want to teach our daughters and the young women oh, around us. Sure.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, I'll get to being a mom and being a business, mm-hmm. you know, a working mom a little bit later. But even like that combined with, you know, having children and balancing out a career has just been foundational, you yeah. know, um, Absolutely. because... You do things that you never thought that you were capable of before yeah. <laughs> and you find yourself saying like, okay, like 10 years ago, if I, if old me was looking at the things that I'm doing now, they would be like, what, what is happening? You know, I know. <laughs> so, um, you push yourself to new limits, which I think is yeah. amazing. So, um, well, I didn't, I, I got a BA in marketing. I mm-hmm. I didn't want a corporate job. I got offers from like, You know, no offense to these corporations, but I got offers from, like, Office Depot and Mm -hmm. Enterprise Rent-A-Car and, you know, places like that. And I didn't didn't want a cubicle job. I I knew that wasn't for me. I did not want to get into, like, corporate management. And so um, I up and left. uh, Well, this was – at the time, I had gone from San Marcos to Austin, and I would lived in Austin for about eight years. And uh, I up and moved to Chicago no job, no nothing. Why? What was in Chicago? Nothing. I wanted to change. I was, I was tired of being in Texas and I was like, did you throw a a, dart on a map of the US? Pretty much. Okay. Pretty much. So, you know, and well, (laughs) I can't take full credit because my, I did have a boyfriend at the time Ah, that was willing to go with me. Yes. (laughs) And he was like, sure, I'll go anywhere. And I was like, well, my I, I was like the three places that I want to go are either Seattle, Chicago, and New York, and mm-hmm. Chicago's the cheapest out of all of those. So let's just move to Chicago. So yeah, that's what I did after college. We up and moved to Chicago. I didn't have a job. We packed everything up in a Penske moving truck and took off up there. And I wound up living in Chicago for I don't know about four years. Mm-hmm. Um, I continued to bartend because I didn't want an office job. I got into real estate. Um, I started doing, uh, marketing like contract mm-hmm. work on the yeah. side and, uh, stayed in the service industry. I think I clocked over 15 years in the service industry, like throughout oh, wow. this whole time. So customer service and sales and marketing, stuff like that just kind of came easy to me, which was mm-hmm. nice. And I knew that I loved it. So, um, eventually, uh, because of some family health problems, um, with my stepdad, we had to move back to Dallas, um, so that I could be nearby, uh, my mom and my stepdad. And, uh, in the course of doing that, I got a bartending slash management job at, you probably know this company, the ginger man. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. I love ginger man. <laughs> <Right here laughs> left. Yes, yes. Yes. And so, you know, I had been exposed to craft beer and specialty beer a little bit already in all of my bartending jobs that I had, but I had never been forced into it as deep as I was when I started working there. And, you know, big shout out to them because their training program is just, you want to talk about beer boot camp. Like yeah. I, had a, I had to do a blind tasting before they would let me. Like, serve beer there. It was crazy. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah,
0: that's not, that's hard. I, yeah, I, I joke yeah. that I have the palate of a, a mature five year old. <laughs> <Like, laughs>
1: no. Well, it was, I, it was just, um, it was eye opening for me. Yeah. And I thought, oh my God, there's this big world of beer that, like, you know, and, and this is like early, like late 90s, early 2000s. So, um, yeah, I, I became like a big craft beer nerd so to Mm -hmm. speak. And, um, I still didn't know what I wanted to do when I quote unquote grew up. So, um, you know, finally I, I, in my management journey there, I started, um, dealing with the supplier reps that were coming Mm -hmm. in, right. And trying to sell beer to me to put on the menu. And I thought, wait a second, I had a light bulb moment. I was like, I can do sales and I know a ton about beer. Why can't I do beer sales for a living? Yeah. You make more so, money. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You make so a steady I,
1: paycheck. Instead of tips. That's exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I, you know, I tried, um, I started asking around and people said, well, you should probably work for a distributor first before mm-hmm. you get like a, like a brand rep job. And I was like, uh, no, you're not going to tell me what to do. Right. So I started sending <laughs> my, <laughs> I just started sending my resume out. To like every brewery that I could possibly think of. And I did it in a safe way. Like I cleared it with Gingerman management and I said, Hey, can I, you know, I, I'm going to manage with you until the end of our like contract period, basically. And I will give you that much time, but can I leverage our contacts? And they were like, sure. So I, I started sending them. Thank you. Yeah, it was very cool. And they were fine with it as long as I completed my like management like Mm -hmm. terms, you know what I mean? And there was enough time to train somebody. So, so yeah, I sent resumes out for like, I don't know, almost eight months before Mm I got a bike and I just kept plugging away and yeah, a little import company out of California uh, that was bringing in European beers um, from Europe decided to Mm -hmm. take a chance on me because I had a lot of on-premise contacts Mm -hmm. in DFW And that's how I got started in the beer world, honestly. And I did supplier side specialty beer sales for over 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, in the course of that, I also took on like international marketing campaigns for some pretty, pretty big breweries out of like Germany and Belgium Mm -hmm. and, um, Scotland and England and yeah, just started building, um, My knowledge of like digital marketing, you know, at this time, like social media was starting to blow up and I was teaching myself how to do that on the side. And then I got into management and finally we get to last year, (laughs) last Mm -hmm. spring. And, uh, you know, not the, the greatest thing, but I had been sitting on this business idea for probably two or three years at this point. And I kept seeing a problem in the market, and that was that all my like supplier rep friends and colleagues didn't know how to do their jobs, and their companies were not providing them any type of training. It was literally mm-hmm. just like, "Oh, welcome to the team. Get out in the market and make it happen." Yeah, go. It sell. was like a yeah, like a sink or swim kind of thing. And for anybody that's in sales or in marketing, you know, like that's not that's not easy to do right? Like just to get <laughs> like thrown out
0: to the wolves yeah, without not, knowing not what you're Not if you doing. don't know the core elements of the brands you're trying to sell. You come right, off like an exactly. idiot. You reduce your credibility and yes. then the proposition becomes very, very t- challenging.
1: Yes. And so I kept, you know, um, I have quite a few friends in the industry and I would watch these like new sales reps come on board, like for craft brands that were, uh, you know, aligned with my distributor. And I would, I would get to know these other supplier reps just through, you know, affiliation with my wholesalers. And we would wind up, you know, coordinating and they would call me and say, like, how do I do this? How do I approach this? Mm-hmm. How do I, you know, get in touch with this buyer? or How do I improve my relationship with this certain account? And I started basically becoming known as like, like a sales consultant Yeah. The go-to. You know, with, yeah. <laughs> without, without having an actual business. And I kept telling my husband, um, who is also in the beer industry, by the way, which is great to have somebody that you can, you know, uh, reminisce with <laughs> and ruminate yeah, right? with at home. Um, and he's like, Julie, you need to just start teaching people. Cause he knows how much I love to teach people things. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of a, it's sort of my zone of genius. You know, mm-hmm. like it lights me up to like, um, work with people and for them to have like a light bulb moment. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, I was laid off from my former job. It was a mutual uncoupling. Is that what that's called? Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> <don't> that's really,
0: <laughs> I like that. I might use that mutual uncoupling. Very, very trainee yes. reference.
1: Like, yes, are you a conductor? Was... <laughs> I know. And it was one of those, like, we had a new management change. We weren't meshing together well. And I had a very good relationship with the company. And we we had a phone call one day and it was just like, you know, let's not beat around the bush here. Like, I don't get along with you. You don't get along with me. Let's just leave on good terms, you know, yeah. because we're not doing each other any favors. Yeah. And so I took that opportunity to use my severance package to build my business that I have today, um, which is called uh, Not Your Hobby Marketing Solutions. Because, um, you know, I, my, my saying is if you have customers, you have a business, it's not yeah. your hobby. Yeah. Um, and what I do is that I teach sales and marketing and management tactics to craft beverage professionals. And that's where I'm at now. Which is so brilliant because, and I love the title of your company.
0: As complicated as it might be, I've had one of the guests <laughs> on this podcast with a complicated company name, and she, her company is everything's not okay, and that's okay. Really long oh, that's name. Great. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. And she does like cultural strategy, right? Um, uh-huh. inclus- inclusion and diversity, all of that. Um, oh, that's great. But I but I I can I can understand exactly where your thought process kind of like the road you traveled in that because craft beer typically starts as a hobby because like you love beer and you know beer and you want to learn more about it and you want to like get a Mister Brew kit or whatever they're called the home right, brew right. and or or you working for a beer company and and they have an internal like beer development program or whatever. And it, once you start actually like selling it, it can, it morphs into something that it can snowball on you. Um, yes. So I love yes. that that is your, just your foundation, that uh, cause it's brilliant because I've had some amazing beer that is only available in one state, very small, beautiful products. Where are they going to go? Do they want to go out of state? I mean and this is funny i so let's go back a little because so i can relate to your experience a little better sure so forgive me for the
1: (laughs) oh no worries no Um, go go for it
0: (laughs) so at arizona state home of four peaks right four Uh peaks was directly across the street from the campus i lived at student apartments on campus I got a bartending gig at Timberwolf, and I don't know if you've ever heard of this concept. They had no, one in Houston I, too, but oh, we had so we were a beer bar. We had 150 beers on tap, 400 total with the bottle packages. The entire yeah. back wall of the bar was coolers and tap handles, and people would come in and they'd order like a Bud Light. And I'm like, Are you? Why are I'm you here? Me. Why are you here? Do you see the world you can experience? This is before the world of beers and the flying saucers. I mean, this was the late 90s. And I got a job because I was always a customer. I did the world beer tour twice. And finally, I was like, listen, I'm spending all my tip money here. Can you just hire me as a bartender? And they're like, you're really short. You're not going to reach a third tap. And I'm like, well, it's like the 90s. And I have platform (laughs) sneakers. (laughs) So I wore That's like <laughs> four inch platform sketchers and I, oh I loved it, but I learned so much about beer and I loved Four Peaks and I would always go to their brewery because it was like walking distance from my apartment. Mm-hmm. And um, years and years later, when I'm on the sales side working for Sydney Frank, I go out to the Tilted Kilt annual golf conference in Scottsdale mm-hmm. on my foursome is one of the founders of Four Peaks. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like, listen, I love (laughs) you beer. Why aren't you guys available outside of Arizona? Like, could you at least just go to like the four corners or some shit? I mean, yeah. and he's like, no, no, no. We don't want to go even outside of Arizona because we can't guarantee the quality of our beer. And we don't want to take that risk just to earn money and we'll never sell. And I'm like. Okay. Okay. Everybody says that. And I'm thinking this, right? (laughs) Well, of course, they sold. They sold to Anheuser-Busch when AB was investing in all of these craft brewers. They were one of the ones. And I'm like, I'm sitting there thinking because he, like that night, I happened to have a party at my hotel suite because I'd gotten upgraded at the Camelback Inn. And they'd given me like this (laughs) massive room with a private pool and a private room service server. And because they ran out of space in the hotel, but because of my status, they upgraded me. So I called everybody I knew in Arizona because I'm from there. (laughs) I would have too. And I'm like, (laughs) party at the Camelback Inn. I got a private house on the property with a pool and a hot tub. Y'all come over because I got liquor in the trunk of the car. So we had this massive party. He showed up. (laughs) Oh, that's great. And so we (laughs) talked more about it. And then they ended up selling. And I'm just like, man, if I, if, if I, yeah. I I mean, because I was like, man, your beer is so amazing. He's like, I know. That's why we don't go outside of Arizona. We want to control that quality. I'm like, I get it, dude. There's nothing like kilt lifter. There's nothing. Yeah. The closest thing I could think to it, like a kilt lifter is like an arrogant bastard from stone, which is also one of my all time favorite beers. But Mm -hmm. it's fascinating because I totally became a beer snob, fell in love with it, (laughs) learned everything about craft. drank every beer that we sold, all 400 of them, and really learned how to educate the consumer. And that's why I fell in love with training people and educating people was because like I could have customers come in and they'd be like, I have n- I'm, I'm, um, I'm very discombobulated by the situation in front of me. I don't know what to order. Yes. I'm like, well, yeah. tell me what you like. Tell me what you're going to order to eat. I will exactly. find you a beer. And if you don't like it, it's no charge. I will sample you until you figure out what's perfect, but let me guide you. And I made a killing doing that. And people were just like amazed. Here's this short little blonde girl in platform sketchers and she's (laughs) guiding these adult men on their beer options. So yeah, beer is definitely a passion of mine and I absolutely love love that you've created this space to help these craft brewers really launch into their potential. You are, you are building
1: livelihoods
0: for people. And
1: that is hugely oh, thank impactful. Thank you. I, that's, that's, that's my mission. Honestly, you pretty much just nailed my, my company mission right there. Because I, I, um, I, what I was seeing was that mm-hmm. all these innovative Craft beer folks, and even extending over, I don't want to limit it to just beer because I work with people outside of beer, Um, like craft cider and small batch wineries and Mm -hmm. craft distillers, and even like meaderies, you know, people that are generating mead. um, They're producing like hard kombucha and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, seltzer and things like that. And they have all this creativity and they have the innovation skills and they have the production skills so like the the logistics of a craft beverage uh facility is is very familiar for them and they probably have tons of knowledge around it but when you ask them about like a business plan or a sales and marketing plan they look at you like you have a third eyeball like like it's just you know like what (laughs) are you talking about like what do you you know (laughs) it's intimidating right yeah i mean because they're artists
0: and right, they're right. not marketers. And these are two very different skill sets and mindsets. And yeah. marketing can get expensive very yes. quickly.
1: If you don't understand it, yes, very, exactly. very quickly. Yeah. Yes. And it, it. to be honest with you, I almost think that my years of bartending like prepared me for this. And you're going to yeah. know what I'm talking about when I say this. Because not only are you priming yourself for a sales environment, but in bartending, you're also kind of a psychologist at the same time. And so (laughs) you're learning to deal with uh, people's uh, personality types. And, Mm. you know, most craft beverage producers have that like DIY bootstrap. I can figure out everything on my own because they have that kind of entrepreneurial spirit anyways. So it's very challenging sometimes for me to say, you know what, You don't have to DIY everything. You don't have to be an expert at everything. Like, you can get help. It's okay to ask for help, you know, especially in areas where you're not an expert.
0: Yeah, I think the common misconception is when you ask for help, you're admitting a weakness. Right, right. And that's not the case.
1: You're admitting that. No, it's actually. You don't know everything. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That old saying, like, jack of all trades, master of none. I I say that a lot because, you know, you don't want to be like, you don't want to tote yourself as like jack of all trades or multitasking extraordinaire because that means that you're lacking focus in certain areas by trying to do everything. That's a very interesting
0: perspective. I think I'm guilty of that.
1: I am too. I had Multitasker on my resume for like decades, you know, (laughs) and and I just recently took it off, you know, a handful of years ago because I thought, well, what? And I I can't uh, take credit for this. And that epiphany came to me after I read um, Getting Things Done. Mm -hmm. Um, That book by, I think his name is David Allen. And um, also The One Thing, That's another book that I read that heavily influenced me to like stray away from that idea. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing
0: about multitasking as a skill set I do believe it's a little bit more gender biased than learned skills, especially Uh if you have children. As (laughs) a woman, (laughs) the second you have children, you realize. Yeah. You may have been a multitasker before, but oh my God, you could teach. You a have no idea. That. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Especially like if you're, if you're choosing to work while on maternity leave and you're trying to like get it all done while, you know, taking care of a little human that can't tell oh, you yeah. what it needs <laughs> exactly <laughs> and just screams exactly. for no reason. And you have yes. done all the things that normally <laughs> stop the screen. It's one of, it's, yeah, you become a multitasking master far and above what you did before and and especially as an entrepreneur if you're confident in your abilities to take on multiple diverse tasks at one Mm -hmm. time and accomplish them all by streamlining your focus that's a huge skill and that benefits all entrepreneurs so I would say it's not a bad thing to have on a resume so I'm going to politely disagree with you that it means you don't have focus (laughs) I think it means. Well, thank that you, you. That can makes me feel better. Your I,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't channel my phone. I can, you know, I, it's funny. The best analogy that I've heard for that, and this was from uh, a blog writer that I follow, and she said at any given point in time, a mom's brain is like a jet fighter plane cockpit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, with, like, all the lights that are going off and, like, yes. the switches and the buttons and, like, all the dials that you right. have to pay attention to. Yes. Um, and that at any given time, you can, like, calibrate anything, right? Yeah. Like, going from one thing to the next. But that your brain before you had children was more like a like a glider, yes. you know, where you just have, like, one thing to focus on. Life is autopilot. For those of <laughs> you yes, listening exactly. that don't have
0: children yet, <laughs> yeah. life is autopilot before you introduce tiny nuggets.
1: yes yes Yes. exactly and no offense to you know all the non-moms out there I'm sure there are millions of women that don't have children that that are capable of multitasking as well absolutely (laughs) it just elevates your skill set that's all because and I was one of those yeah
0: I was one of those women that never wanted to get married never wanted to have children obviously I did both and I was like (laughs) by by accident pretty much intentional accident in some cases but accident nonetheless and I was like wow oh my god my life would have had so much more disposable income and so much more total freedom but oh my god I wouldn't change those two little humans for any decision I've made like they're worth more than my ability to pick up and go abroad at a moment's notice because I can afford last minute airfare you know Yes. I, can't now. yes.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. And I'm, you know, I'm always shocked, like not to get off onto a tangent of mothers in the workforce, but my two cents about this is that companies are crazy if you're not looking at hiring moms, because yeah. our brains are wired like that. We're mm-hmm. like managers, we're we're like you said, multitasking extraordinaires. Like we can project manage like nobody's yeah, business. I know. And like I, I, you know, I feel like there's a lot of companies out there that are like, oh, we don't, you know, we well, want to stay
0: away from that and no, you know, so on and so forth. You're responsible for keeping humans alive. Therefore, you can handle any task. They anything. Throw at you. Anything. Yeah. Yes.
1: I truly you can turn believe on this. a dime, you can pivot, you know, you can you can handle pressure, you're like good in stressful situations. Yeah. Like it's yeah. just, no, it's, I think we're I it's think a good we're new best friends
0: for sure. I hope that I, you'll I accept definitely. that. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we've had such similar trajectories and experiences and, and our ideas now are so aligned. I think that um we were meant to meet each other for sure. But I think so too. <laughs> so I want to know something because. This is one of the things that kind of prompted me to start my foundation, my company, my podcast. Pretty much it's the the genesis of everything that I do. But um, when was there, if I'm sure there is, but Mm -hmm. a personal professional experience in your life that was very negative or totally like something that you wish had never happened At the time, but now you look back on surviving that, overcoming the challenge, jumping the hurdle, whatever it was, that you're like, I'm so glad I hit that obstacle and I figured out a way to move through it, past it. And it's taught me so much that it's now a positive
1: thing. Do you have something? Definitely. Um, It is something that completely changed my life. Personally and professionally. Um, it happened back in uh, not too long ago, honestly, in 2018. And it was, oh, wow. the, yeah, it was um, October of 2018. And uh, the company that I was working for, um, <laughs> this was right after the management change that I spoke about that led me to, you know, leave make my exit from that yeah. company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had been working under that new manager for probably good, like six months. And mm-hmm. I knew that it wasn't a good fit yeah. in my gut. I knew that it wasn't a good fit. Um, there were some just, I don't know, big red flags everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? And it was causing a lot of stress um, on me. It was causing a lot of stress on my marriage. It was making me not fun to be around at home. Yeah. Um, I was working extra, extra hard to prove something to somebody that w- I would, I would never be good enough for him. Yeah. I, well, it, it just, and you probably didn't yeah. value his opinion in the first place. <laughs> no, I didn't because you had less experience in the industry than I did, um, ah. which was fun as well. Y'all, <laughs> it's really the... <laughs>
0: hard to respect someone for a title when you feel like you have more experience and they don't value your contribution. Really hard to respect yes. them in
1: return. Yes, exactly. And yeah. there was some commentary made here and there about my personality, about me being a female in the industry. And oh my God. So on and so forth. So, so not it was, okay. It, <laughs> it was not okay. It was a toxic environment mm-hmm. and The thing was, is that for some reason, and I, I'm not any, nothing bad towards my parents or the way that I was raised, but I I truly believe like what's modeled to you, like growing Mm -hmm. up makes you think that you have to like follow that pattern, you know, in your adult life. And I had it in my head that like, I got, you know, I got my degree. I was in the corporate world. I was doing really well. I was moving up in the ranks. Like I got married. I had kids. I had a house. I you was did doing the things was supposed right? to do. You checked all the boxes. I did all the things. Yeah. I checked all the boxes. And I, I never, I, in my head, I was thinking, I can't quit my job. Mm-hmm. I, I'm carrying the family. I'm the breadwinner. I'm mm-hmm. the one with the benefits and the huge yeah. 401k matching program. Like I yeah. can't you know, it's irresponsible. It's irresponsible of me to to, like give it up right for you. Yeah. Yes. Because people would kill for my job. There's a lot of people that would go out of their way to kill. It was a very well-respected company with a good history of low turnover. So on and so forth. Right. It just didn't make sense in my head for me to disrupt that in any way. And so I kept going and I kept getting more and more stressed and more and more upset And so October of 2018 comes and I am getting ready to go to my national sales meeting, which is just my company annual meeting, right? And it's always, it was always in a different location around the United States. This year, it was happening in uh, Eastern Washington um, in a place called Leavenworth. I don't know if you've ever heard of Leavenworth, Washington, but it's a little State, right? I well, yeah, yeah, Washington State, and it's in the mountains, and it's like a recreation of like Munich, Germany. So it's like a little German, like, gorgeous. It's gorgeous, it's adorable, but it's remote and it's hard to get to. So, um, we had our company retreat there at this adorable little like Bavarian lodge. And we would be in meetings. I I knew the drill. I had done this meeting before. It's like Mm -hmm. three days of meetings and PowerPoints and lunches and schmoozing with accounts and stuff like that. And um, we went and uh, right before I left, I had told my husband, I said, I think I might have pulled a muscle like in my shoulder, like in my shoulder blade, Mm -hmm. because I was having really bad muscle pain in my Mm -hmm. left shoulder. And he's like, well, just, you know, take some ibuprofen. Yeah. put some icy hot on it, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever you have to do. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I, I left and I got there. And the first day that I was there, I thought this really, really hurts. Like it is very painful. I'm not sure what's going on. And a few of my coworkers knew that I was in pain and they're like, maybe you have a pinched nerve, you know, like maybe you just tweak something and then sitting on the airplane and riding the train probably made it worse. Yeah. Um, so I kind of just ignored it. And I kept putting you know, like muscle cream on it. And mm-hmm. I was taking medication the third day I woke up and my entire left shoulder was covered in this horrid rash oh and God. I was in so much pain. Yeah. That's not I could right. Even, yeah. I couldn't get up. I couldn't get out of bed. My poor roommate who was another salesperson with me, she was like, Julie, you need to go to the hospital.
0: Okay. She's First like, this is all, bad. A
1: company should never make
0: their people room together. Period. Uh, they did. At they always account.
1: made us room together.
0: I hate always. that. I, I used I to work for a too. company that did that. It's so it's so. It was rude. awful. It's
1: I know. So it just felt really weird not it, having like weird. privacy.
0: Even if you're friends with the person, it's weird. It should be a volunteer thing. Like, yes. hey, we're friends. Yeah. We'll save the company money. Not you're doing this.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So this was. It was spread yeah. all over my neck, all <sighs> up to my ear. Um, all over my left shoulder, all the way down my back and a little bit onto my chest in the front. And the muscle pain was absolutely out of control. Like I was in so much pain. It was like shooting up my shoulder up into the back of my ear. Like that's how bad it was. And so I had to go to this little rural emergency room in leavenworth washington <laughs> while, while looking my gorgeous yeah i'm clearly. sure <laughs> oh yeah like i was i was in prime condition here so um i i was by myself nobody went with me nobody oh. volunteered to go with me oh i went God. by myself i know that shit that was trust me there were so many red flags leading up to this you have no yeah. idea so um i i checked in at the front and the, you know, it's like a small little emergency room. The doctor who is, I can't remember her name, but she was lovely and wonderful, um, poked her head around the corner and she said, do you, she said, I'm, you know, so-and-so the doctor, she said, once you get checked in, I'm going to be the one that's examining you. Well, do you mind just, you know, pulling your shirt down a little bit on your shoulder? And mm-hmm. I was like, sure. And she goes, oh, honey, you have shingles. <gasps> Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I said I said, what? And I was like, I don't have shingles. I'm not like a senior citizen. Yeah, but <laughs> like, no. Did you have chicken pox with <laughs> the like, kid? Because that's where I shingles did. comes from. Okay. Yeah. I did. I did. So um, yes, I'm old enough to where I didn't get the chicken pox like vaccine, <laughs> like like the kids get Wait, now. They have one? I I believe they get <laughs> uh it's like a I don't know if it's a pure vaccine or what it, but my children will never get chickenpox because of oh their vaccinations that they've had. So, um, okay, I'm so, yeah. a bad mom because
0: I don't know anything <laughs> about this. I'm sure if it's available, I, my kids have had it. But oh my god, no, I didn't know. I, no, that. you're not
1: because it's like coded <laughs> into like you know when you take your kids for vaccines and it has yeah. like a big old acronym that like you're like oh yeah. I don't know what this is. It's in there. You just it's don't realize doctor it. Doctor stuff. You know, Yes. It's doctor stuff. <laughs> so you're not a mad mom. Yeah. Don't even worry about it. Okay. okay. Um, thank so you. yeah, I, she takes me in, she loads me up with an IV with pain medication. Thank God. Cause I was in a lot of pain. Um, and she's like, yeah, you've got single shingles. She's like, have you been under a lot of stress lately? And I literally burst out in laughter. Like I just di- I died <laughs> laughing right there on the table. And I That's was like, am under a lot of stress? I was like, uh yeah, I've got two kids under five. I just moved my entire family to Colorado last year from Texas. I was like, I hate my boss and yeah, I'm still nursing. I was like, I oh, bless you know, your like, heart. I was like, uh, you could say I have a tad bit of stress, and literally yeah. was just like in tears laughing. Like oh on her God. examination, bitch. <laughs> she must have thought I was out of my mind. No, like, she anyways, thought you were I, a mother who has a I, I job. So mm. I contracted shingles because my job pushed me to the act like absolute limit that to where my think. body was like, nope, yeah. not having this. Yeah. Right? So yeah. Yeah, well, we know that, that is... stress weakens our immunity,
0: right? We know this. Yes, but yes. it's it's always a shock when it actually exactly <laughs> manifests exactly. itself.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yes. So that was a slap in the face and an eye opener. And I won't go through all the gory details of like recovery. It lasted Thank more you. than two. It, yeah, it lasted more than two months. It was <gasps> awful. Um, they also, I. Uh, tried to give me like Vicodin and all kinds of, and I looked at him and I was like, really I work full time and I have two children. You want me to take Vicodin? I was like, I think I'll just, you know, be gonna... like, maybe at night on uh, the weekend. I know. <laughs> I was like, uh, are you going to pay for childcare for me? Cause I'm going to be a hot mess if I take yeah. this. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, I just, I, I powered through it, but I knew that I had to make some big changes, right. Yeah. Personally and professionally. And this was the big aha moment from something negative and turning it into something positive is that, you know, I started reading, on personal development and managing stress. And I joined a a working mom's mastermind group, which has been life altering for me. Um, The power of a group of anybody, really, not just women, but people that have like-minded, you know, beliefs and, and work ethic. And it's just amazing. The power of that is just phenomenal. And um, I made some major changes. I started, meditating. I started exercising more. I started watching my diet. Um, I journal every morning. Mm -hmm. I, you know, for as corny as it is, you know, I have affirmations for myself. I have affirmations for my business. Um, it's not corny. (laughs) Don't, don't discount that positivity (laughs) is never corny. It's powerful. And it gave me the confidence to finally say, what am I doing? Like, why am I sitting on this business idea? I am totally capable of doing this. Yeah. And I'm tired of not being around, um, for my family yeah. and my body is telling me to stop and do something yeah. different. So yeah, that's my long drawn out story with that experience, but it really was a complete game changer. I am a yeah. completely different person today than I was just a, you know, a handful of years ago. And I'm a big proponent of personal and professional development and, you know, um, I'm a big fan of Kate Northrop, who focuses on like body first, business second, mm. which I think is just amazing. And well, you can't do I, business if you don't have a body. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, yeah. and I try to, um, it was just a friend of mine in the mastermind group that she, one day she said, you know, I'm tired of, um, putting work before family and Mm -hmm. I would rather put family, you know, like working for my family. Oh gosh, I'm going to mess this up the way that she phrased it. But she basically inspired me to say like, I'm going to put my family first and design my work around family instead of the other way around. Yeah. So yeah, Yeah. that's, that's where I decided to take the leap.
0: (laughs) And, and that's, that's one, that's a beautiful story. Um, And I think that will resonate with everybody that listens to this episode because it is so true and real and something that so many of us share. And I appreciate you being so candid with your experiences. But I question because as an entrepreneur slash mother slash wife slash you know, do the stuff that is required to do, including the grocery (laughs) shopping. Um, How do you find the balance in creating time for your family with the demands of being an entrepreneur? And you're, are you a solopreneur as well? Yes, Mm -hmm. I am. (laughs) Okay. So that's (laughs) even harder, right? Because I was a solopreneur for years and it's nearly impossible because you find yourself working 12 to 14 hour days if you're lucky, but it's seven days a week. Yeah. It's, it's nonstop. And parenting, as you know, is a 24 hour a day job. Even when you're sleeping, you still have an ear open if a child starts screaming. So how do you balance that? Uh, unique situation where you are trying to create something for your business, um, and grow it for your family, but also focusing on your family and putting them first. Like, how does that work? Cause I still, have, I'm asking the question, honestly, because
1: I still haven't mastered it. I don't think anybody does to be frank okay. with you. I don't think anyone does. I think it's an ongoing process and, you know, um, my friend Beth Demon did a great article on this about moms in the beer industry a couple of years ago, and mm-hmm. it was very well-written. And she asked me kind of a similar, same question. And I told her, I said, I don't think it's a balance. I think it's a process of delegation and prioritization. Mm-hmm. And that's the best that you're going to get yeah. <laughs> because, um, because it's just so, I don't think there's ever like about ba- like an even balance for work and family, you no, know, something I, has to come first at every time. Yes. And you yeah. can chase perfection all you want to, but it's not You're never going to reach it, you know? Yeah, so why, <laughs> yeah. So why set yourself up for failure? You yeah. know what I mean? In thinking like, Oh, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. How do other women do that? How do other moms do this and business owners and it's just going to make you feel crappy. And to be honest with you, I did, it took me a long time to learn that. Um, and that's part of my uh, personal development journey, um, Mm -hmm. that I've been on, you know, is to stay away from the comparison game with other mom entrepreneurs and solopreneurs that are, you know, doing this. And, um, you know, you, you can take imperfect action. It's Mm -hmm. okay to take imperfect action. You know, um, I always say, you know, action is better than zero. You know, like at least you're (laughs) doing something. But I think um, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, just uh, like I said, it's prioritization. So Mm -hmm. that old business rule of like the 80-20 rule, that's like something that I like live and die by, right? So Mm -hmm. every month and every quarter, I sit down and kind of audit myself and my business And think about what I'm doing and I take a look at like, okay, where did I spend the most amount of time and what activities are bringing me either the most revenue or the most sales and what's the top 20% of the things that I'm doing for my business that are bringing Mm -hmm. in 80% of the revenue and how can I focus on those and then ditch the other things that are pointless that are just time suckers, you know? so that I can't spend more time with the family. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, that, and I've, I feel like I've had to learn how to set myself up for success as far as like being realistic about my, um, limitations. Um, like if my kids are home and which, you know, pandemic hello they all are homeschool <laughs> everybody's right. home you know I'm like balancing all this out I don't have child care I'm used to having child care this is like a whole new world for me yeah. um you know setting the expectations of like okay I might get 20 or 30 minutes worth of work done before somebody's like what are you doing hold me I want to look at your camera I want to put yeah. your keyboard. Get me a snack. I'm hungry. What's happening? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, I made this drawing for you. Appreciate yes. every detail. <laughs> yes, exactly. Just like, they yeah. know when you're doing something else. So I think yeah. keeping my expectations very low for how much that I can accomplish while parenting at the same time um, has helped me sort of work through it. But um, yeah. I also, uh, you know, it's... Uh, I, I do like being around them. I, I have a nice home office, which is good. But um, I squeeze work into weird places. And yeah. that's not the healthiest thing to do. But um, I keep telling myself, like, I'm still growing, and I'm still building, right? So efficiency is not my focus. At this point, growth is my focus. Yeah, so, I get that. You That know, makes sense. Yeah. and that,
0: that's the early stages of being an entrepreneur because your goal is to not be a solopreneur. Right. It's just, you, it, like stage 1 is solopreneur and then you move to entrepreneur and Yeah. Yeah, then you can start delegating and outsourcing. But yes. I, I yeah. yeah, I've been through these stages and
1: it's not easy. It's no, for sure. <laughs> it's not
0: it's, it's worth
1: I, it though. It is worth it. And to be honest with you, I feel very lucky because I have technology on my side right now. I know that people that did this 10, 20 years ago, they didn't have the help, but I use a lot of like automation tools. You know, what I'd like to do all of my marketing, like in person and, you know, live and. (laughs) you know, all that kind of stuff. Yes, I would love to, but it's just not possible at this point. So I, I lead on technology quite a bit for like automation processes so that I can be present with the family, you know, instead of creating Facebook posts, (laughs) you know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Does that help? I'm sorry. I I I strayed off the question a little bit. No, (laughs) it
0: totally makes sense because I went through the same thing where I was like, oh, my God, social media is taking up hours each day. And it's not revenue generating. And that's right. Stupid. Um, It's a pointless activity for me if I'm going to grow my company. So I gave it over to uh, a member of my team. And I was like, you are our social media manager. That's great. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and I'm like I hope to do that one day
0: <laughs> right I know yes. and 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 I was like are you familiar are you comfortable with this and he's like I'm comfortable with it I'm not an expert but I'll figure it out and I'm like good that's all good. I need Attitude. that's great that's yeah because <laughs> uh, anything I mean oh my god and now he does it like seven days a week Oh, that's great. Um, That's perfect. So, yeah, it's off my plate. The most beautiful (laughs) thing. It's off my (laughs) plate. I can't
1: wait. I'm, like, looking forward to that. (laughs) Oh,
0: God. I mean, and there are companies that you can hire to do it for you. But the thing is, is you want to be able to control the content and the message. Right. And you also want to have some control. And you don't necessarily have a crap load of money to spend. Yes, on developing your online audience because yes. the whole goal is to drive them to your website to drive business for your company exactly and so your messaging has to be you it has to be authentic as the entrepreneur it has to speak your language and that's very hard if you outsource it
1: yes very much so i i actually yeah. teach that to my clients that I suggest when they're still in like the growth phase to, you know, kind of stay away a little bit from outsourcing your social media because it's your brand voice, you know, unless you have someone like within your company, you know, that's like very trusted that like knows your story and your, your vision and the voice that you want to get across, then yes, go for it. If they can help you, you know, but make sure that that person has a really clear understanding of what you want to get across to like potential consumers.
0: Oh, yeah, no, I've, uh, he, made, he made one misstep, and this is the funny thing. He posted this picture, and I'm sure he listens to this, so he'll hear it, but I've told him first, so it's not news, <laughs> but he posted this picture with a quote from the Wolf of Wall Street, so it's a white guy talking oh, about, geez. I love Mondays because it's a day to make money, and I'm like, that's not really our ethos as a company <laughs> right. that doesn't match our foundation at all. I'm like, can, can you find like something else? And I'm yes. like, I get where you're going. It's a, it's a positive message. It's just the image of Leo DiCaprio, I'm like <laughs> as the Wolf of Wall Street. I'm like, it yeah. doesn't resonate with me as uh, a female business owner. Yes. I'm like, so my audience is an extension of me. Right? exactly yeah. yeah i'm like i get it you're a white guy
1: right <laughs> yes yes that's i i hate to say it that's that's super common but yeah i i like yeah a hundred percent and yeah if you've seen that whole movie then it makes you kind of go whoa you know <laughs> exactly know because like... <laughs> in the
0: movie he's quite the womanizer he's a oh yeah thief <laughs> and scam artist <laughs> yes <laughs> I mean, you're like, I'm like, no, this is not in any way aligned with the ethos of our company. And it certainly doesn't match our foundation. I'm okay with quotes from white guys. Sure. Sure. Let's just keep it to actual quotes that mean something without an image of an actor portraying an asshole. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Uh, yes, a (laughs) hundred percent. Let's
0: not promote that. Um, And he was funny about it. He was like, yeah, I was, I was thinking about it before I posted it. And I was like, that's a good quote for a Monday. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. Maybe not for us. (laughs) Yes, We kept it up. I think it's probably still on our social media, but it it was just (laughs) one of those things where he laughed. He took my constructive criticism well. He does. That's good. Everything just like, we have a very open and honest dialogue. And I'm like, dude, I'll tell you when you're doing great. And I tell you when you screw something up. And I'm like, this was neither. Yes. (laughs) This is just
1: kind of off. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. No, I, I caution people about that all the time. I'm like, you know, just make sure that when you're, you know, posting that funny meme, about beer people, like make sure that yeah. you've clearly like thought this through before you yeah. hit the button. <laughs> like what's our goal? What's
0: our yes. goal with this? Yes, exactly. <laughs> is it, exactly. it going to engage or piss people off? I know. You really don't want the latter. Yes. Um, that is, that's hilarious. Yeah, definitely <laughs> don't, don't outsource until you're ready. Um, right. Yeah. And you're a marketer, so you've got this anyway. You're not uh, have thank word, you. Either. I
1: well, yeah. I I try. You know, I don't. Uh, I try to stay modest about it because I feel like I'm always learning. Like that's one thing that has remained constant through my yeah. entire life is that I find a lot of comfort in like the pursuit of knowledge. So I'm one of those people. Like I. I take coaching programs and I soak up like digital courses and workshops and I love a good mastermind group and I read a ton. And, um, yeah, so I I feel comfortable with the marketing piece of it for sure. And even for as long as I've been in sales, I still get kind of nervous sometimes like, you know, when I'm going to sell to like a potential custom client and, um, you know, but it's like an exciting nervousness, you know, it's, which is fine. So yeah, I, um, yeah. And, you know, a while back, like last year, I realized like, I'm taking all these skills that I have for granted because I do them every day. And so to me, Mm -hmm. they become commonplace, but there's a lot of people that don't know this stuff and I need to start talking about it. And the more that I can talk about it, the better. Um, and I love, absolutely. Again, I love that light bulb moment. Like when people are like, oh, that's how you do that. Or, oh, okay, I didn't realize that. Or, you know, we've gone deeper into something. And that just really, really lights me up and inspires me to do it even more. Yeah. No, absolutely.
0: Oh, my gosh. (laughs) This is so much fun because
1: we think (laughs) think, it's so so
0: weird. Um, (laughs) But everything you've said has been so impactful and candid and vulnerable and it's just I, I, I if we haven't touched on it yet I would love to know because this is my one of my favorite questions that I always try to squeeze in and ask people because uh-huh. um, it's hard to answer so, are you ready for a hard to answer question? Sure. <laughs> um, what would you want the listeners to know about you?
1: Oh gosh, um, uh, that is a hard one. Um, Thank you. I guess. I yes, it's challenging. I. I guess my biggest thing would be. Um, I am an expert in my field, but I'm not an expert overall. I am the Mm -hmm. first one to admit that I can always learn more Mm -hmm. and I'm always striving to learn more. So even though I'm a consultant and a coach and a teacher and a speaker and, and things like that, like I'm, I'm human, I'm going to make mistakes. (laughs) And I, I realize that like, um, I guess entrepreneurship has also taught me that you need to stay humble all the time. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) And that, you know, nobody cares that uh, how many hours I put into building my website. If my website sucks, it sucks. You know what I mean? Like, that's just (laughs) 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 like, it's something that I had to learn. And I think everybody has to learn that in in business. And it did not, I guess what I want to say with that is that it, that kind of um, perspective change did not happen overnight. I didn't just wake up one day and was like, oh, I'm just going to take everything on the chin and learn to accept things, you know, and learn to accept Mm -hmm. my mistakes. Like it was a long drawn out process. Um, I guess the other thing is that, um, I, I don't, I, I have a potty mouth. (laughs) <laughs> so, if you work with me, just expect, you know, expletives to, like, fly. It, that's just the way I am. I'm unapologetically um, an extrovert and long-winded and I curse a lot. So, that's just um, – I usually only do it when I'm trying to get my point across about something that I'm really passionate about. It just kind of happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm not uh, – secretive about the fact that I'm a working mom and that I work from home and if you can't handle that then you should probably work with somebody else because I'm not in a cubicle I'm not in a soundproof room you know I I am who I am and my my work ethic is the way that it is and I drive myself so hard to do better for your company because of the things that I've gone through in my Mm -hmm. life and I'm not ashamed of that yeah well, experts so, often don't sit in cubicles anyway, so. I, <laughs> I know, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, if um, you're good at what you do, you don't sit in a cubicle.
1: Yes, yes. And I think yeah. um, on a personal note, you know, I'm a sci-fi nerd, like a big one, Um <laughs> That's something that I don't tell a lot of people about <laughs> that. Like, you know, I would rather watch like an Avengers movie than like a romantic comedy. Um, that's just, that's just me. Um, <laughs> I <love> and, it. <laughs> that and, you know, uh, I don't know. I've, I've um, gotten to the point, And I don't know if this happens when you turn 40. I don't know what the deal is, but like, you get to a point where like, I turned 40 and I was like, I don't give an F about anything anymore. I don't care about what people think of. Oh, me. Oh girl, that happened to me too. I was like, I'm sliding <laughs> you know? hot
0: sideways and unapologetically. Into like my next I decade. yes,
1: I'm I'm taking yeah. risks. I'm putting myself out there. I'm tired of playing mm-hmm. safe. If you don't like what I'm wearing or the way my hair is, or you know, if that bothers you, I'm probably gonna dismiss you pretty quickly because I'm yeah. doing my thing. Because I'm, I'm totally okay with
0: your hang-up.
1: Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, that's a really hard, deep question. I hope that that covered a little bit of it. I feel like oh my God. I'm think no, of something you in hindsight. It
0: beautifully. Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Thank no, <you>. no, <laughs> no,
0: because it, it, it's it's a it's a hard question because it really makes you think internally. How do I answer this? Because it's not an easy answer at all. Yeah. Um but it, it gives insight into your character and who you really are and the way you answer that question really provides the authenticity and credibility to the rest of your story too because it's it's one of those like it's like a window that's been unfogged right yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. Thank you. And mm-hmm. I love that you said vulnerable and candid earlier because I'm also a super huge like fan of Brene Brown. And oh yeah, um, I, I consider Brene to be like, like her books are like the Bible for me. Like they're just, <laughs> they're so good. And you know, that vulnerability has been a concept that I have battled with my entire life. And oh, I'm yeah. still just like, getting the hang of it but when you really like embrace vulnerability and you know she talks about shame as well and things like that and it's Mm -hmm. just um you can wrap your head around that concept it is such a game changer it's just oh yeah yeah now my
0: goal is to one day have her speak at uh my women's conference oh my gosh that'd be amazing
1: I know, right? I have you just, really, you just really... take my money right now. You can just count me in for that. it's, like, it's just... awesome. I have I have
0: very lofty goals. Like I want Michelle Obama That's there. Perfect. I want Ellen DeGeneres there. I, I just want all these because I've had these most amazing speakers at my conference and yeah. I'm like so now I'm, I'm like from our industry and we're branching into this year we have women from outside of our industry and within that are just dominators in their space. Um, And that excites me. And our, we were last year we screened um, a fine line. Uh Joanna James made this movie about um, women as executive chefs to shed the light on the fact that out of all the executive chefs in the world, only like 7% of them are female. Yeah. Which is crazy when you think about women are taught to cook, but that we can't cook professionally. It's like, really? What the shit? Yeah. That's crap. I love female chefs, by the way. I love love female
1: executive chefs. I know. So
0: (laughs) I have a girlfriend who's one of the producers of Top Chef. And Uh. I reached out to her and I was like, hey, I I've had some Top Chefs on my podcast i would really like to have a female top chef at our conference so she reached out to a few of them and uh so we have karen from top Chef <gasps> all stars oh my gosh. speaking at How our cool. conference this year as our keynote oh. and one of my favorite things is when she was eliminated and went to last chance kitchen they said come on girls you've got this and she's like where i'm from they called me chef too
1: oh hell yes they i remember referring- that episode yes yes
0: <laughs> Well, she so had amazing. shirts made. She had <gasps> shirts made. Yeah. Oh my And I was gosh. like, I want that for the goodie bag. I'm gonna order. I'm all get the sizes. I'm gonna give you the sizes and the quantities. And I'm going. I want to buy your shirts to include in the goodie bag because, w- as much as we're focused on food and beverage, it's a lot more beverage intensive. Yeah. So I really yeah. want to highlight the fact that there is this food side of our industry that is really male dominant and the women deserve a voice and what better than to have
1: a voice leading and kicking off the conference okay I'm here for all of that so just count me in just (laughs) you're (laughs) hilarious (laughs) well we thought it we
0: we thought it wasn't going to happen then we thought it was going to happen now I'm not sure again because it's in it's in Sonoma on a working
1: farm right and
0: i'm it's, like i don't in september and i'm like what if texas gets like restricted we can't fly out of here yeah and affects other people i'm like right that affects my ability to run my own conference <laughs> i have
1: no yes. idea what's gonna happen
0: and oh. california
1: isn't in a great spot either um, um so yeah we'll I ha- yeah but, well i wish you the best of luck i i have a client in california that i'm supposed to do a workshop for and we keep having to push it back. I was supposed to do it yeah. in April and we're still yeah. like, you know, we're like, we're just going to have to play it by ear. We don't know what's going on. So it's, it's yeah. just insane. I mean, it's there are crazy. conferences
0: like lined up that are just moved, moved, moved. And these are conferences where I had like a travel booked, and I'm speaking right. and yes. it's just not, it's just moving, moving, moving. And I'm like, I seriously, whenever <laughs> it happens, I'll be there. Just, Give me a heads Yes. Up. I just know. That's what posted. I keep
1: saying. I'm like, I'm in. Don't worry about it. Just keep changing yeah. the dates. <laughs> yeah. It's
0: fine. <laughs> we're all we're all in this together. Like it sucks for you, it sucks for me. It sucks for everybody. Like nobody's like, Yay, more restrictions. Yay. Yes. People don't I wear know. masks and they're infecting <laughs> others. And which yes. is funny. Like in Texas, our mask law just went into effect a few minutes ago. Oh, gosh. So now we have to wear masks and there are fines if we're caught without them. If we're within six feet of another person that doesn't live in our same household um, in any open space. But if we go into like any commercial space and we're not wearing a mask, it doesn't matter if we're distancing. You have to wear one or else you get fined. That's, it's going to be a lot of work to
1: enforce that. <laughs> it is, which is frightening, and I don't envy the people that have to enforce this. I we've in yeah. Colorado we've had the mask ordinance for a good like couple of months now. Yeah. So and
0: um, which is probably why you're not like on in the news every day for, for cases. Right? We're not
1: skyrocketing. We're not like yeah. you know. It, it's not like North Dakota where there's like nothing, you know, where yeah. because we have too many people, but we are doing fairly, yeah. we are doing fairly well on the list, yeah. you know, um, as far as cases go. And, you know, I have to give credit. Our our governor has been pretty amazing through this whole process. So yeah, I, I our feel governor lucky. has made some, some
0: excellent decisions and he's made some that I don't agree with. And I think that's right. normal, but I think we're long overdue to mandate masks. Yes. In, yeah. in our I think state. It's a good We've thing. got too dense of populations and too many large population
1: based cities. For sure. And I, you know, me being a native Texan, I worry about yeah. all my friends there. You know, that I just, um, it's hit pretty close to home with a, a few yeah. people that live there that I know. And I just, Um, I've heard some bad stories and I've heard some survivor stories. So it's, I think people being cautious is a good thing because it hits people in different ways. And we just don't know Mm -hmm. enough at this point to, to think otherwise. So
0: it's a mutating flu. We know that, right? Yeah. It's a mutating (laughs) flu. So we don't shut down the economy for flu season. We don't stop driving because of car accidents. Right. We need to just, oh, I hear a kid in the background.
1: Oh yeah, that's, <laughs> sorry. Is that the three-year-old I, or the five-year-old? I, I have, uh, well, they're now eight and six. Yeah. Oh, so, okay, so same ages as mine. Yes, yeah, they're a little bit older. They just uh had birthdays recently, pandemic birthdays. That's always interesting, you know. Yeah, mine are doing it too. <laughs> it's hard, you know, they get like the drive-by birthday party Um, (laughs) that was not in the cards, you know, uh, last year, but it's okay. They're, they're troopers to be honest with you. I think they've, they've handled it really well. We've had a lot of adult conversations with them, which is, you know, something it's, it's a whole new ball game in the way that we discuss things with them. So it's been interesting Mm -hmm. to navigate. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We're just really, really honest with our kids too, because I mean, they were really disappointed when our annual big summer party was canceled. Yeah, we're not doing Lollapalooza for the first time in (laughs) 16 years.
1: I love that you call it that. That's great.
0: (laughs) Oh, girl, you have no idea. Lollapalooza is an event. It's insane.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, we usually have like
0: 100 100 to 120 kids plus their families. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. crazy. That's yeah. crazy. It's catered. It's a big thing. Um, How cool. It's this year. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wanted I'm to sorry. create an experience for my kids that they would always be like, yeah, my parents went all out for birthdays.
1: Oh, um, yeah. yeah. My mom did too. And my husband kind of makes fun of me for that because I do go like, I love going all out for birthdays and holidays and stuff. And oh, I'm yeah. like, hey, I'm like, I turned out pretty good. And that's what my mom did for me. So, yeah. you know, stuff it. <laughs> it's your own.
0: Your birthday is your own personal <laughs> holiday you have to celebrate it wildly because if yes. you don't no one else will exactly
1: so do it yes. yes once yeah I know right
0: <laughs> yeah no Lawlerpalooza in its genesis was just an adult drunk fest and uh once we had kids we had to figure out how to make it um a little bit more approachable yeah our first Lawlerpalooza when my oldest boy Keegan turned one Still a drunk fest. Yeah, All people were there until three a.m. Yep. Puking in the grass. Oh my god. <laughs> he was long asleep. It was yeah. fine. We're yeah. just like, oh no, it's Lolo Palooza. They just happened. To be- we're going to sing Happy Birthday to the one-year-old kid that now lives here. Um, but that's just a blip, and you know, and the drinking games will continue. Don't yes. worry. Um, <laughs> so it's a little different now, but there's still there's still an adult tent full of plenty of adult enjoyment activities um that's fantastic like, yeah so <laughs> thank you thank you it's just uh, you know we'll return in 2021 hopefully this shit has to end it's ridiculous Yeah. Um, or we have to just change our approach to it and I think that's probably easier this shit isn't gonna end we just need to change our approach we need to just be more
1: personally responsible I don't know why people aren't practicing that as a Basis. I I don't either. My take on it yeah. is that it's a piece of fabric. Like who gives a mm-hmm. flip? You know, like, really. Face. <laughs> yeah. face. I love I love that graphic that's you know circulating on social media that says like you know you don't wear your pants with your junk hanging out. So you yeah. know, you don't wear your mask with your nose <laughs> hanging out.
0: Yes, yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> And then like <laughs> except my 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 soon-to-be-six-year-old really does wear his pants with his junk hanging out. <laughs> he finds it entertaining. Um, yeah, we'll have oh. the sidebar. My husband just got these like masks for kids that are uh-huh. not masks. They're like um, you know, when you go skiing or snowboarding and you wear that neck cover that pulls up over your face.
1: Yes. These yes.
0: have ear holes for kids. Oh my gosh. So they put it over their ears. But it's a full neck face thing. And then they can pop it down and pull it up. And they look like ninjas. So they oh. want to wear it. And tons of colors. My husband bought like three or four for each of the boys. That's And fantastic. they are so excited trying them on. Like my little one is doing like ninja poses. He's like, yeah, I look pretty bad," <laughs> <That's laughs> And I'm right. like, yeah,
1: you dude. <laughs> I might have to invest in those. Because we actually, what's funny is that... Um, We had some ninja masks from the dollar store that we got like years ago for Halloween. And I was actually putting those on the boys when this whole thing started. And we wore Mm. them out so much because I washed them that they just like disintegrated. So I'm in need of a good ninja mask replacement.
0: Yeah. Go to Amazon. (laughs) Um, I I don't know what they're called, but I'll text you. I'll look it up.
1: Okay. um, Okay. And I'll
0: text you. But yeah. And the kids were excited about it.
1: That's fantastic. Okay. might, that might be good. a
0: good option. Yeah,
1: yes, definitely.
0: <laughs> um, but before we end, you have to tell
1: me how you want people to best reach you. Okay. It, it's pretty easy. Um, I usually tell most people just go straight to my website, which is www.notyourhobby.com. That's the best way to find me on every like level, because again, I'm a solopreneur. Everything goes to me. So you can find my email address. Um, people can email me directly if they want to. It's just Julie J U L I E at not your hobby Um, feel free to reach out to me. I I love it. I love hearing from people. (laughs) Yes. And, um, I am all over social media as well. Um, and I, my handles on Facebook and Instagram, I'm not really a Twitter gal. I just kind of, I don't know. I I love visuals. So I'm more on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, the handle is at not your hobby marketing. And then mm-hmm. it's also um, at not your hobby marketing solutions on LinkedIn. You can find me. I'm all over LinkedIn as well. Um, yeah. And I would love it if people would join my online community by signing up for my email list. Um, If you're part of, you know, the beverage industry at all or marketing or sales or whatever it is, um, Mm -hmm. I give out all kinds of freebies to people on my email list. You get special discounts on my programs um, and you get a ton of resources that have to do with like growing your brand in today's market. So yeah, it'd be great if they could join me over there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I'll definitely, uh, I'll add that to your bio too. So people can just simply click on the link when they listen to the show. Sure. And I want to thank you so much because you have given me a great episode. Um, well, thank you. Your content, your vulnerability, <laughs> your honesty, your transparency. Thank you so much for sharing so much about your life and your work.
1: with us. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I, again, I'm. I love talking about this stuff and, and I love yeah. when I can connect with other professional women in this space that love talking about this stuff as much as I do. So it's been yeah. a real pleasure. Thank you.
0: Well, absolutely. And to, to be honest, your, your passion really comes through when you talk about it too. So oh,
1: thank you. I hope that comes absolutely. across to everybody.
0: <laughs> so. I- how could it not? I mean, I'm not even going to worry about somebody that's so obtuse they didn't catch it. But thank you again. And thank you all for tuning in to Lawler Out Loud, mixing up the mainstream.